some largemouth fish in another time. Hello, grit men, grit women, grit man here, and welcome to the Grit Men Show, where we believe it's all right to be a man and the world can use more grit. Now, I've had a few questions like, is the show just for men? Well, no. The show is for anyone that wants to learn about grit and believes that having grit is a good thing. I've also been asked how much grit one must possess to be part of this grit men movement. Well, we really aren't in the business of measuring grit, just like you to have some. I'm of the opinion that you can become more gritty. I believe that grit can be a product of your environment. So what you read or listen to and who you surround yourself with is important. All right, for this episode, we're going to change things up a bit. Sports have been the main theme thus far, but in this episode, we're going to talk about barbecue. Grit men like meat. Cooking and eating meat it just takes us back to our primordial roots. Greg Gatlin, who owns Gatlin's Barbecue here in Houston, is our guest, and I believe you're really going to enjoy hearing about his journey. We'll get back to Greg in a minute, but I'd like to recognize our sponsor, Pumps of Houston. 60 years of legendary service. They believe in hard work and treating people right, and we appreciate their support of the Grit Men Show. Pumpsofhouston.com. So I turned 40 since the last episode that we put out, and I didn't think it was too big of a deal, but my wife said it was. For me, a birthday is a good time to take some inventory. What's working? What maybe isn't working? What do we need to tweak or change? I've been working on a list of a few things, and i got to tell you that a friend of mine recommended this book called Living Every Minute, and I've been listening to it, the audio version, and Dr. Tim Reynolds is the author, and it's been very timely. One of the main themes of the book is that we all get 24 hours in a day. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, rich, poor. The one thing we all have in common is those 24 hours. He talks about a lot of things that we talk about on this show. And I was preparing to record this intro and took a little break to run to the gym and put my headphones in, was listening to the book, and the chapter I listened to was just spot on for the stage of life. But I believe most of you, regardless of your age, can probably relate as well. So Dr. Tim tells a story about how his company lost a big contract, and it was devastating. For 10 years, he poured his heart and soul into serving this client, and they decided to switch to a competitor that was cheaper. He was angry and confused, but he decided the best revenge was massive success. And he used this situation as a catalyst to make great things happen. He goes on to build a new company based on a new set of rules that he creates. He explains that in the first half of our life, that we're somewhat a product of how we were raised and who we were influenced by. Our parents, grandparents, friends, teachers, coaches, or maybe a pastor. And that's all good, but there comes a time when we must decide for ourselves what our life should look like and determine our values and our rules for our own lives. We have to decide what we'll tolerate for ourselves and others. From this, he created his rules for the second half of his life. I love this, and I'm working on my own set of rules as well. Dr. Tim came up with 12 rules, and here are a few of his that I like. I refuse to live by what others think. Time is the most valuable resource I have. I will not waste it. Nothing comes between me and my family. My word is my bond. If I say I'll do it, I will do it. If I say I won't, I won't. I will strive to create win-win deals, 
but I will not allow myself to be taken advantage of. I'm responsible for my attitude regardless of my circumstances. I will go for it. So what if I fail? Who cares? So those are some of his that I liked, and I'm working on my own list. But part of establishing new rules to live by is to analyze if there are any rules in your life that maybe don't make sense. I'm not sure about y'all, but when I got in business, I was told to don't ever talk about politics or religion or race. But I've decided that that's dumb. We should be capable of having mature conversations. We should be able to disagree at times without being offensive. Getting below the surface level and understanding where someone's coming from is a good way to learn. Greg and I don't follow any of those so-called rules in this conversation, and we talk about a lot of things. I ask him about race, not because grit men particularly care, but because it seems to come up a lot in this world we live in. I love what Greg has to say, and I have great appreciation for his journey and pursuing his passion to become a pitmaster. He's doing things the right way, through hard work, treating people right, and just making some really good tasting barbecue. He even gives us a few pointers on how we can make our barbecue taste better at home. He touches on lots of Gritman principles in this conversation. I'd encourage you to head over to Gatlin's Barbecue and enjoy a meal. Tell Greg and his mom and dad or wife or brother Kevin that you heard their story on the Gritman show. Take a picture and tag us on Instagram if you're on it or at Gritman Show. Thank you for listening. We've got some exciting things that we're working on. Enjoy this interview and get out and find your grit. Guys, he's a lot like Nails. He plays like Nails. He's tough as Nails. He likes to call himself Grit Man, whatever that means. Quit with my daddy. I said, didn't make the time. And it's been a year since I've seen a deer at a small mouth on the line. The other day. All right, Greg. Welcome to the Grit Men Show. Thanks for joining us today. No prop. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking about me. Uh, it's always good to be with some rice guys. <laughs> hey, there ain't many of us, but you know, uh, hey, the, the, when you find us, we're doing all right. Good. Hey, man, that's that's what I love to see. That's well, actually what I love to see. I, I've watched your story from a little bit afar. So my, my grandparents live down the road, and yeah. they like to stop in and eat. And so when I'd go visit them, say hi to you you're always so busy i didn't want to bug you <laughs> no that's that's probably the best thing for you to do just bug me to just stop me for a minute because that way i can get out <laughs> well i know you probably got a lot on your mind just sitting here what you need to be doing in the kitchen or your your tasks will uh again thanks for sitting down with nah, us. no problem at all man it's actually good to kind of break away well good so you got this nice restaurant a lot of people come in and they don't maybe know the backstory or the journey you were on, how you got here. Gotcha. So I'd like to, to go back to your childhood and, and tell me about your upbringing and your parents. Good deal, man. So uh, I think my childhood is actually kind of the foundation for anything that we've done, anything that we're doing, uh, anything that we plan to do uh, in the future. Uh, um, my dad's uh, ex-military, uh, my mom, humble beginnings but uh, always knew how to work hard. Um, what the pieces that were, were essential for a family. And uh, I think they gave that and instilled that in all of us. Uh, I'm the middle of three boys. Uh, I've got an older brother and then a younger brother. Uh, my oldest, uh, he's in the military. Uh, went to West Point, graduated from there, and has been in uh, for a while now. He's actually uh, working up at the Pentagon now, 
and he'll be coming down to uh, Fort Hood to take some type of command uh, position uh, in awesome. artillery. So, uh, uh, man, maybe I actually I was gonna follow behind him. I said I told myself I'm not following behind this dude anymore, man. He <laughs> makes it hard on you. <laughs> Tim, Tim's the nerd of the family, but he's very Tim's very focused. Yeah. He's very, you know process oriented and everything lines up boom, boom. Sell some big shoes to fill with brother Tim oh yeah oh yeah and so I feel I feel even worse for Kevin because Kevin feels yeah I mean he's the baby and it's like you know what I what I need to do and so I was like man just be you just be you but uh I said they they gave us structure they gave us they gave us a, a blueprint of you know how to be successful and uh how to be a good person uh at the end of the day so um you don't always, you don't always live up to it. But I think if you're successful more times than not, you're on your way. Yeah. So you're, when you got out of line, did you know was there consequences? How, how did did they spank? There was consequences galore, <laughs> <laughs> and we were good kids, <laughs> and we were good kids. But I mean, there were certain things you did, there were certain things you didn't do, and you knew if you didn't do something, you knew it, it was. I, my dad, my, my mom spanked more than my dad did. My, my dad, was, when it's time for him to spank, it's like, oh, God, like, here it comes. And it, was, it wasn't anything that was, it wasn't dramatic. He'd just say, hey, it'll tell you A, B, and C, D, this is, this is what you did. This, why did you do that? And then, okay, this is, we're getting a spanking because of this. Mm-hmm. And he'd lay you across the bed or over a chair, <laughs> and you get your licks, like, and it's like, you just go and then after that then there was punishment and so you just knew and so unless you wanted more of that you (laughs) you straightened up (laughs) and learned a lesson from it so so you grew up kind of northwest houston on what you call this area oak forest actually yeah yeah, not too far from where we're at today right absolutely so we put we actually the the pony fields that are right behind here uh oaks dad's club which is one and a half minutes, two minutes down the road right here. Uh, we grew up in Shepherd Park Terrace uh, before Tidwell was a four-lane road there. Uh, it was a bayou. And so we would ride bikes and dirt bikes and stuff up and down the bayou and pick berries and getting poison ivy and everything else that, you know, kids and boys were supposed to do um, at that point in time. So like I said, I mean, this is, this is all familiar uh, scenery and, and neighborhood for me. Uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, you had a lot of people move out. You know, they, a lot of folks that we knew moved up north. Uh, started started with Inwood, and then Inwood went into Champions, and Champions went to the Woodlands, and hell, people even further out now. You got Wood, you got Magnolia, and all that stuff. I remember uh, actually playing at at, at Magnolia, <clears throat> driving on this two-lane road full of full of pine trees, and it was in the middle of the woods. I was like, where the hell are we? and so uh like i said man we've we've seen changes to houston and beyond uh which have all been really good and um you know hopefully the city continues to to grow and make progress let's talk about sports i know you played college football at rice yeah and uh, that's where i got to know you but did you play any other sports growing up yeah man so uh we've been playing sports our lives from five years old all the way up through college uh, football, basketball, baseball, track, uh, you name it, we we did it. Uh, I even swam a little bit for, for a quick second. Yeah. It was like, hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, like I said, we did, we did it all, man. We were, 
we tried to be successful in, uh, in all those in all those endeavors uh, that we did as far as sports were concerned. Uh, I think it just built character. Um, it's a good way for you to be in an environment where team is important. Um, you know, you have a lot of self-edification, but when you build a unit, it shows you how, how much stronger you can be. Uh, and each person is accountable for something within that unit. And so that's where, that's where I've grown uh, from, from being able to be in that particular situation and in those uh, environments uh, growing up. Education must have been important. Uh, yeah. I mean, you went to a nice private high school, St. Thomas, and yeah. then got a degree from Rice University. Yeah. Some call it the Harvard of the South. I don't know if that's true or not, but if they want to believe that, I'm good with it. Hey, I'll, ta I'll take it all day. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever way they carries, man. <laughs> was that your parents pushing the education? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just something that was instilled in us. It was like, hey, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is what you need to do. You need to you need to learn how to work hard. You need to go to school. You need to get an education. Like nobody can take your education away from you. Mm -hmm. Other stuff, you know, possibly, but not here and there. But nobody can take your education away from you. That's something that you build, you know, day in and day out. So it was it was go to school, come home, homework, then go to practice, or you know, church functions or whatever it was that we that we had going on when we were growing up, and um, that was that was the model. You know, those were things that, you know, that we knew were, were going to happen. And it was, that wasn't something that was up for negotiation, mm -hmm. you know. So you go to Rice, you graduate. Yeah. Uh, and until we sat down last week and asked you a few questions preparing for this, yeah. I just assumed you went right into being a big pit master. And it, <laughs> it was in your blood. And, but I was fascinated to hear your story. So, so kind of walk us through your journey to getting into the barbecue business so coming out of rice um training for the training for the league uh what position did you play cornerback safety okay. uh any defensive back position that was that was there free safety um came out was doing all the training and stuff to get ready to go for that uh had a couple of tryouts uh got cut uh from those places was gonna go to canada and I figured, eh, you know, I got a degree, man. I'm not going to run around Canada or whatever. Um, I, hindsight, I wish I would have done it just for, just for, you know, because, yeah. you know, just to have that that particular that particular experience. But, uh, you know, going to do that, I said, okay, hey, I'm going to leave that alone and go find a job. Um, actually got linked up with a couple other Rice guys uh, doing benefits consulting. Uh, we were on the ancillary side, and so that was that. Actually, it was it was a good experience because it you know taught you how to build relationships, how to have a conversation, know exactly what you what you're selling. You know whether it's were a you selling to the broker or selling to the the end user. So I was selling a broker okay. at first. Yeah. So you got yeah. some sales experience, mm -hmm. little customer service. Yeah, and so uh, some rejection, I bet. <laughs> you and you know what? You learn how to deal with rejection. That that, that was a that was a big deal. I mean, that was a big deal because I said you, a lot of times growing up as, as an athlete, everything's been yes. Mm -hmm. Everything's been, okay, that, yeah, that happened. You, you did great. You did this. And it's like, you got to learn to go now from the bottom up as an adult. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing doing it as a kid, but you got to go from the bottom up as an adult. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you got to, you got to put your boots up and pull them up tight and, you know, keep kicking. And um, so once we, once I was, I was into that and um, ended up getting married. Uh, kids came along, 
and I started to think, I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to do something that I want to do um, because I had stopped playing ball and that was, you know, that's been so part of you, so, so much a part of your life for so long. It's like, what else do I want to do? Uh, all the while, you know, I, you know, once you, when you're, when you're in sales and stuff, you learn to eat a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whether you're taking people out to eat or, you know, you're eating on your own and whatnot. So it's the easiest you, way to get an appointment. Right. <laughs> Bribe them with free food. <laughs> so lunch always goes a long way. And, uh, you know, I started to, you know, kind of tap into my excitement and uh, passion for food. I'd always, you know, like cooking and all that kind of stuff. Um, my, my late uncle, uh, he used to barbecue a lot. So I would always, when I he would, I would actually call over to ask my cousin, like, hey, is your dad barbecuing? And he, he's like, no, why? I was like, oh, I just wanted to come over and do the meat and stuff with him. And so it was just something that I enjoyed doing. And he's like, dude, why? He's like, why do you want to come over and cook meat? Why can't we go play ball, play basketball or something? I was like, fun cooking the meat, man. <laughs> and so, how, how old were you? Oh man, we were fourteen, yeah, fifteen years old. Even yeah, even younger probably probably started probably around twelve or yeah. so. So you had your uncle and you were yeah. kind of watch him. Yeah, and uh, you know my dad would do it, you know here and there, but my dad was still traveling and stuff uh, with work, and so I'd go over there and we just we'd hang out and he'd tell stories and you know once we got tired of looking at the pits, we me and my cousin we'd get on bikes and go figure out how to chase balls and girls and everything <laughs> and everything else so um but yeah so i mean once once i got to that point i said hey what am i you know what am i going to do i uh actually went over to the uh the art institute got accepted into there and man me and my wife we had a conversation it was like okay what are we really going to do here i was like do you think it's best that you know I go into this right now or and you know we sat there we prayed about it and it was like you know what let me try to do let me try to get in the into the workforce before I go do that okay. and so what I ended up doing was uh, I knew somebody that was working at the at the Papado here on 290 uh, I talked to him and he was like yeah man just come in they'll hire you like no you're like why wouldn't they and I was like, dude, I was like, I never, you know, I've never done, you know, full-blown restaurant. I, ha I had worked some restaurant before, Frankie Mandola's, uh, prior to, it was, man, that was my freshman year. My freshman year. Love Frankie. Uh, over the, uh, Big St. Thomas the, supporter, yeah, Rice supporter. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we did that my freshman year over the summer for a little bit just to make a little extra, little extra cash. And so I remember doing it, but you know, never in my mind that I think that, you know, I'd start doing it. But um Got into got into the restaurant industry with with the Pappas family. Uh, I learned a lot of things there, just about how a restaurant is run. And uh, all the while, I was cooking and stuff, uh, just kind of doing stuff on the side. Um, the company that I was working for at the time, I would bring food up there for them to taste it. They're like, dude, do do you work? They're like, you're always cooking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just doing it on the side, man. And so. Um, one of the big places that we kind of started to do stuff was the uh, Letterman tailgate outside of the, the football stadium at Rice. Uh, so that kind of gave me my first, first kind of sizable audience to actually cook for. Uh, Scott Huffman, you, you remember Huff, right? 
And so uh, we kind of had this little friendly competition between ourselves. We used to cook on his dad's pit, the trailer pit that he had uh, that was there. Uh, Scott always used to do the honey rub ribs. I was told him, I was like, man, I got a better rib, man. But if you want to do honey, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, 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 had, we had a great time, man. It was a great bonding experience, and it was a great time for me to just kind of figure out kind of what my – what my profile was or kind of what I wanted to, to put on a plate or to serve and whatnot. And so uh, there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of, a lot of burnt meat, a lot of that didn't taste good. <laughs> so, but um, so it's kind of like, like, kinda like your minor leagues. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That is exactly what it was. And um, Serving to your alumni. <laughs> man. I, sometimes I was like, did that really taste good? I was like, it didn't taste good to me, but if you say so, you know. <laughs> who, who are the people you could count on? Does anybody stick out that would – because some people are, don't want to hurt your feelings, and they just – man, that's no. great. But did you have any good, honest critics? No, all of them, man. Sabula, uh, Scott, uh, guys that I used to, you know, go to school with around here. Uh, my parents were – I mean, they were probably the toughest critics. Uh, you know, because like I said, they didn't, they didn't have anything invested into it at that point. They, I was just doing it. They were like, no, that didn't taste good. Like, why did you use that seasoning? Or, yeah, that's too salty. Or, you, you didn't, what, what happened to the salt? Like, you didn't put in, put enough in it, or, yeah. or something. So, uh, no, I, I had a good support system. To, you know, to not feel like, oh, everything you do is great. Yeah. And then they, they tell me kind of point you in the right direction here and there. Uh, I laugh now because if I, if I taste my brisket now between even when I was back on 19th street I'd be like that wasn't even that great but you know I'm glad somebody thought it was good at the time <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah man I mean it's uh so you just grow you 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 never stop growing and what you're doing you're always trying to figure out the next the next thing that you know pushes you to to, to be better mm -hmm. uh and so you know it, the day that I don't get up doing that. Maybe I'll just sit it down and go find me a Porsche to sit on somewhere. Right. <laughs> so the, the passion was there. You, yeah. you said, I'm going to, I like to cook. Yeah. And so you, you were starting to, you found someone that can teach you at Papa Do's. Yep. And probably not just how to cook, but also how to run an operation. Mm -hmm. And you had your, your, the tailgate where you could start experimenting and kind of find your niche. So yep. what, when did you finally jump off and, and be in the business? So, um, it was, geez, when was that? That was probably. I remember the location because I came Labor it was an old house. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Labor Day weekend, man. Um, is when I said, you know what, hey, I think it's, I think it's time. I think it's time. And um, pulled away. I already had the trailer and stuff, and uh, was just kind of doing everything on the side already. And I was going to going to pick up some stuff from Restaurant Depot, and I I was just hungry. And the place that was on 19th Street, it used to be a, a Cajun po' boy shop. And I was going to stop there to grab something to eat to go back and get ready to get some meat on the pit. And there was a clothes sign on the door. And I had a gentleman's phone number for me to call uh, for lease. I took the number down and went back and said, hey, Dad. I was like, this little place is, you know, up for lease. You think it'll be a good little place to, you know, try to start something? He was like, yeah, nobody's necessarily on that road. He was like, people kind of blow down through there. 
was like, well, at least some, at least it's a place that you know somebody knows about. It's not just you know somewhere random. There's actually a food place, or has been a food place there. Come to find out, even prior to that, uh, there was like a, a Italian sub kind of place prior to that place going in there. And uh, we gave the guy's name uh, Clark Leopold was the guy that owned the building, and uh, he's a, he was a uh, carpenter. Uh, did cabinetry and stuff like that, and uh, called him and he said, "Sure." He's like, uh, "You know, what do we need to do to get you in there?" And we said, "Well, you know, I don't know. We're just kind of a upstart family, you know, little outfit." And he's like, "Well, he's like, this is what I'll do." He redid the whole inside of it. He gutted it all out, put in new stuff in there, uh, got it fixed up for us, and. Um, we started selling bar barbecue out of a little 780-square-foot building on 19th Street with uh, AJ's landscaping on both sides of us. There used to be, so where the boot is, uh, Shady Acres Ice House was what it was called uh, on the other side of the street there. And then you had uh, Cedar Creek that was, that was down the road. So there was nothing else. There was nothing else down there. Uh, you, you were starting to see the gentrification of it uh, with some of the houses and stuff that were coming up around in that area. So we were like, hey, you know, we're near, we're near our, where we grew up. So we had people there. We had our St. Thomas family that was down the road on, on Shepherd, and, you know, kind of everywhere else. Heights was kind of starting to grow a little bit. And so it was kind of a, a little perfect storm for what could happen. You know, we didn't know what was gonna, what was gonna happen. You know, we, we laughed because we like, hey, if we can get, you know, 50 people a day, we can break even on what we, on what we got. Back then, brisket was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and it's, a, it's amazing how, you know, how much the prices and stuff have gone up. But uh, it's like, if we can get 50, 50 people a day, we can kind of break even, maybe we make a little money, you know, once we pay the rent and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it's so funny that the, the first, was the first or second, it was the second day or so, blew it out of the water. Boom, we had more than 50 people. I was like, I don't know, we might be able to do, maybe able to do all right. Maybe something to <laughs> <Right>. this. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we just kept, we kept getting up every morning. That means you just, then you got to spend it to buy more food. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> and so that, then you're like, you know, that, that's when it came in handy that you had worked in a restaurant before. You had kind of known and you kind of seen uh, what you need to do. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, they said we just we kept getting up every morning. We kept doing the same things. We kept trying to be consistent in what we were doing. Um, you know, people started to to notice. They're like, well, "Why are all those people? Why are people out standing? You know, outside at this little place or whatever?" And so uh, you get people start steady, start starting to come in. Steady, starting to come in. Uh, word of mouth starts to get around. You know, they're like I'm sure that's probably how Michael heard about it. And it's like. Gatlin, yeah, I know them. I grew up with them. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of starts to snowball, and that's why people started to show up. Um, and uh, we ended up getting a couple things. Mighty Rip was, it was one of them. It's so funny. I, 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 I absolutely died when he told me that he yeah. was doing that. <laughs> and um, he said you start getting little articles and stuff popping up here and there. Um, I, didn't even, I didn't even really know Allison Cook and kind of what she brought to the to food 
until tell us about her because i'm not yeah i so i love a, to eat but i don't know a lot about the publications or the blogs or the food world so, so she's a so she's a well-known food writer and critic okay. you know here in the houston area and um you know so i was in there so well it was uh what you call it uh hubcap the guys over at hubcap they walked in and they were like hey do you know allison cook is sitting over at that table over there like, who's Alice cooking? Yeah. What is going on? Does it matter? He's like, dude, that's a food crate. Did you give her your best stuff? And I was like, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, man, she uh, she did a little write up. I don't I forget what grade we got, but uh, we, the next that next day, when it, after the article came out, I mean, we were swamped. I mean, the, the line was down the street. The parking was all the way down the street. Uh, we had a little catering uh, for a funeral at a church over in the Heights. So we were trying to figure out how to get food out and how to manage all the people that were that were standing outside. And uh, it was it was bananas. It was absolutely bananas. But uh, that was kind of a, a start as far as a lot of people really knowing about Gatlin's, the, the you know the, the barbecue outfit. So. So, so the the food critic was big, but yeah. you got. When did you get in Texas Monthly or Garden and Gun or some of these other? So ones? Texas Monthly was that was 2013. So that was so we did we got Texas Monthly 2013 to 2017, and uh, we got downgraded last year to honorable mention. But oh. <laughs> well, oh, but, yeah, I'm sure there's some po- little politics sometimes. It's in that. funny, man, because uh, I had people call me and like, "Man, you all right?" <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean? Yeah, I'm fine. What's up? What like what happened?" Like you didn't get in Texas Monthly, I can't believe it. I was like, oh man, I was like, dude, somebody's got to get in and somebody's got to get out at some point. Right. I was like, we're we're old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we, we're kind of old news to a lot of people, man. And uh, they kind of like the new hip things. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I said, I, I, people have things that they write about, and, and new is always better when it comes from a standpoint of writing and articles and stuff like that, because people want to hear about new things, uh, which, you know, I said, I'm, I'm totally fine with. I think that, um, you know, we've earned the respect of our barbecue community, uh, not from a braggadocious standpoint, but just being good people. Yeah. Um, you know, anybody that's coming to ask for help or you know to see a pit or hey what'd you have to do as far as making sure i can pass the city and stuff like that like i had somebody that helped me with it and so uh, i'm always willing to pay that forward and you know pay it back uh mr pearson used to be pearson's barbecue over on uh tc jester uh right before you get down to little york um i remember when we were starting he showed me kind of how his pits were situated and stuff like that. And he told me, he's like, anytime you ever need anything, young man, you just come and ask me. And uh, I always remember that. Uh, that. That meant a lot to me. Uh, there was another gentleman named Adrian Hansborough. Uh, they're over in uh, Carverdale uh, area. And um, he actually kind of showed me kind of how he did things too. And uh, it was just, for me, it was just more that somebody was willing to help, you know, and uh, that, that means a lot. That means a lot because, like I said, you you can't get through this world just doing it all on your own. Um, and you say I, I owe those guys a lot, you know, just from the standpoint of hey, I believe in you. Like even they didn't see it as competition, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. It was just like hey, it's just a young guy trying to trying to get his you know get his stuff together. 
and um, like I said, I always, always make sure that I'm available for people that are that are doing that. You know. So it sounds like there's a little fraternity in the the barbecue oh, industry or, it's, uh, or pit master. Uh, yeah. Are the, you a pit master? I mean, that term confuses me. What is a pit master? It doesn't, man. It's a dude that cooks meat. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm in my backyard, I'm I'm a pit master. Hey, man, you the pit master of <laughs> cookers, man. <laughs> so I mean, like I said, it, I don't put a lot of stock in names and yeah. titles and, and all that kind of stuff if, if, if you're a respectable person and somebody comes to you for advice you can be a pit master you can be a janitor you can be whatever yeah. that, you know that, be a good matter. Humor. yeah and so uh that was that's you know that, that's what I like. You know, people ask what you want to be called you want to be called chef you want to be called pit master you want to be called what like Craig <laughs> Call me what you want. Right. Just come eat my barbecue. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. And so, uh, but yeah, man, um, you can call it. You can call it a pit master. I mean, like I said it. I put in a lot of hours mm-hmm. behind a pit and a whole lot of smoke. I'm sure my lungs don't feel good behind it sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, I, look, I, t- I was telling my dad the other day. I was like, man, you see the smoke in here? I was like, what do you think our lungs look like? And he goes. Ah, oh, they don't look like that. And I was like, I bet they do. I was like, you want to find out? And he was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. I was like, we can, we, we'll, I'll drop it. But, uh, but yeah, man, we, um, we just have fun doing what. To me, as you, you have, you have to enjoy doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's long hours. It's different than. Um, some of the mechanics of the business are the same, but it's a different type of beast from chicken or seafood or fine dining or steaks or anything like that. You know, things all have a process, but um, being able to last, you know, day in and day out, cooking not one brisket, but 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, 100, it's just kind of, you know, you, and be able to try to get all of them roughly the same is uh is not easy and so uh even with even chickens even ribs they're they're all they're all made different you know as much as they <clears throat> you know doctor them or try to make them this or you know size and all that kind of stuff they're all different uh they have different moisture contents they have different sizes they you know everything's just going to cook different and so uh just being able to master that and then you know dealing with time temperature uh controls um you know, if you can master that, you'll be you'll be all right as a pit master. You know, it's always what amazes me is like when you when you go to a restaurant that, uh, especially barbecue, because yeah. I mean that brisket, you don't just go hurry up and make it. Right? No, and so no, maybe it's a good time. Let's just let's dig into a little bit of your preparation techniques. And mm-hmm. so you mentioned like we're videoing this this morning, and you'd already this is your second trip already into the office. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. The older your kids get, the more demands you have. Uh, or whatnot, but you know when we when we start, we talk about brisket a lot. You know here in Texas because that's you know that's kind of the king of barbecue uh, here in Texas. But you know you you're dealing with this big piece of meat. It's got different sizes. It has different textures within the same piece of meat. Uh, so you know you're gonna one start with. There's different grades of them as well. It's just like a steak, you know, mm-hmm. anything else. So you start with a select grade, then you got a choice grade, then you got an upper choice, then you got a prime. Uh, then they've got what they have now, Wagyu and Kobe and all this other stuff um, that 
for me for brisket it's you know it's it's cool to do to yep. taste you know uh, a couple of times but it's it's really expensive probably so. not economical no no not at all your clientele is not going to pay yeah. three times no yeah no not on a consistent basis but you think it's there is a difference there's a difference yeah you can you can you can taste the difference uh i wish i i I would hope that everybody could you know could actually taste from a select brisket and you could just see it you you can physically see the difference in it uh from the marbling of the meat especially once you trim once you get it trimmed down and you can start to see especially in the lean pieces and in the um and the cap you can start to see how much more fat content is uh is within the meat okay. and so you know you start with that you get it trimmed uh we do a quarter inch trim some people do a little more some people do a little less so your briskets come untrimmed yes and you trim them in-house right okay. right and so uh when you say quarter inch that what, what does that mean uh quarter inch thickness uh as far as the, the amount of fat that you, you leave, leave on a temp. quarter mm-hmm. okay. yeah you want to leave a quarter um and That's, so that just gives it more flavor yeah 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 and so it's when you when you bite into it you don't depending on what your what your tolerance is for for texture and whatnot you know you, you could we could very well leave a little bit more on there but then it's so much separation between your uh your seasoning layer and the fat that you don't necessarily get it or you have too much fat you know that you that you bite into uh so it just kind of all depends on your texture uh preference or tolerance there so on that brisk um, i mean i've heard an hour per pound i mean is there any kind of rule of thumbs you go by i personally don't do all the hour per pound thing yeah. because I, for me if, if i have to do all that i mean it's it's cool to kind of know just from an education standpoint but my education is my fingers okay I can. I know how long I put it in there. I've seen. I've cooked enough briskets to fi- to find out. Uh, going through those particular exercises can probably cut down the amount of briskets that you burn up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, as far as you know, when you're trying to figure, you know, how long you need to how long you need to cook, you know, how big is this particular brisket? I'm actually looking at this amount of time. So it it has its it has its purposes. Um, do you do internal? Are you you're all feel? Yeah. Or just use your intuition experience it's now all, it's versus all putting a meat thermometer in there. Yeah, I, I won't. The only thing I'll temp out is a turkey breast. Um, you know, if we're doing a, a different kind of meat, a prime rib or something like that. Uh, but you, there's a temperature gauge back there. Like I said, if we're doing, um, you know, some porchetta or something like that, something that needs to be temped. Uh, but brisk, briskets, chicken, ribs, all that stuff, it never, it never gets temped. So, what temperature are you cooking at? Uh, we start our briskets at about 200, okay. and then when we get here in the morning, we get the temperature up. We probably end up stabilizing probably about 230, okay. 235. Um, there's some different schools of thought. Some people cook cook theirs a little, at a little bit higher uh, temperature, which is which is totally fine. I think that just kind of depends on the pit that you that you have and kind of knowing how that pit's going to cook, you know. Um, throughout the night throughout the cook mm-hmm. uh or whatnot so i mean there's a there's a lot of different variations that are there you just have to you know know the equipment that you're cooking on and know what type of meat you got um you know i wouldn't personally tell you to cook a select brisket at a high temp just because there's not a lot of fat con it's not going to be very forgiving if you you know if you burn it up and you know if you get too high or you know it gets away from you uh those with a little more fat content can be a little more forgiving so for the average cooker out there that's that's got the pellet grill or the green egg mm-hmm. uh, or some kind of just traditional smoker yeah 
225. What are you thinking? Uh, I would say, you know, I haven't cooked on a green egg in a, in a while, but I'm I'm thinking, you you you're probably okay, probably about two two thirty ish, two forty ish, kind of all the way through. Mm -hmm. uh, the time is probably go down. Uh, just kind of how you situate, you know, the brisket on that pit and whatnot. And, and yours looks like it, your smoker kind of rotates. Yeah, we have a rotation. But I've, right. I know there's sometimes debate on fat side up, fat side down. I've always been a fat side up. Um, I've never, I've never cooked fat side down. Um, I thought about it just from because I wanted to see, you know, if there was there was going to be any difference. I never, I didn't do it. Uh, but uh, some people, some people do it fat side down. Uh, I hadn't really gotten the the point of it because all the, all your drippings, unless unless you got something that's underneath, yeah, that's that that fat is going to drip onto. You, you're wasting and you're losing all the fat. Uh, to me, from fat side up, it's going to run down through your lean parts of your brisket um, that's there. So, you know, I'm sure there's something somebody said that makes it right. No, just... I, I know you can't give us all your secrets, but, I mean, I think most of these listeners aren't – they just want to come eat your food or cook good food. They don't want to compete with you. Hey, man. But what about the rub? About uh, salt and pepper okay. rub uh, on the brisket. Uh, then we have – we call it our rib rub. And we use our rib rub on our chicken, uh, our turkey. There's a little variation uh, on the turkey uh, that we go through. But, I mean, it's nothing complicated. It's just finding, finding a sweet spot of what you, wanna, what you want that rib to taste like. You know, do you want more sugar? Do you want more savory? Uh, do you want more spice? You know. So it's just kind of. Do you put the same rub on your brisket and the ribs, or is it different? No, okay. different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So hey, it's we ain't got the ribs yet. That's how we got to get the ribs. <laughs> but, but on the brisket, I've, I've also heard some people just use a little mustard to help it stay, or some olive oil. Yeah, do you do I mean, anything there? I don't. I don't do anything like okay. that, just because um, once you get into doing so much volume, uh, it's. You kind of figure, okay, is this going to help me flavor profile-wise? Mm -hmm. uh, is this, am I adding this in, and it's just an additional cost? Am I doing it just because? So I mean, it, that's when you start to look at, you know, guys that do kind of competition-type cooking. You'll see them adding a bunch of stuff, you know, into it to trying to inject flavor or trying to get as much flavor as they can because it's a one-bite type of thing. Okay. Um, so the difference in cooking for competition and, yeah. and, and running a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 cost there's cost uh, variables that are in there that you want to, you know, you want to stay consistent with. Uh, the more stuff more stuff you add in there, the more you're going to have to charge for it. Um, and then you know that can potentially you know count mm -hmm. be a customer that comes three times a month four times a month to one time a month you know depending on you know what their finances are like or how much they like it or how consistent it is uh, from times from visit to visit so so this is a Tuesday yeah. and, and so you took us behind and showed us the the briskets the chickens and the links on there mm -hmm. like Lunch is gonna lunch crowd's gonna come in a little bit. So yep. it'll be the first time you serve that. When did that brisket go on? It's gonna so get that brisket went lunch. on yesterday. Okay. Uh, so it went on yesterday, probably about four thirty or so. Uh, the first round that she has, probably those briskets probably I think she had about three or four of them down when I was leaving. That was probably about that's probably about six forty-five, and so those are getting a chance to rest, and that's that's the key. 
Ah. That's the key. The key, the key. the key is getting the rest because you go in there and you cut a hot brisket open and all the juices and stuff. Uh, you let all of it out. So it gets a chance for that stuff to kind of absorb back into the meat. And then... Um, so you take it off the fire and let it sit? Yeah. For how long? Yeah. So we wrap, we wrap ours in butcher paper um, probably about three quarters of the way uh, through the cook. Uh, wrap it in butcher paper. That way your outsides don't get, you know, too crusty but you still got a crust on there. And then once you wrap it, the juices from inside kind of stay within that, within the paper there. And um, we take those down, we sit them on a speed rack, we let them rest. Once they, once they come back down, we'll fill them and then we'll put them in the warmer. Uh, warmer has a humidity deal in it. Uh, so that way you don't dry out too much. We put those in there, get them back, to, back up to about 135-ish, 140-ish. Uh, to try to serve, you can try to get them up a little bit more. You know, kind of depending on what happens. Um, we laugh all the time because somebody will be like, "My brisket's not hot." Well, it's not gonna be hot, but <laughs> we can get you. We can get you warmer. You know. Uh, but like I said, I mean, it's the 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 key to every piece of brisket is giving it that time to rest. Yeah. Um, so if, if we don't have this a professional warmer at home, can we just take it off the pit, put it in a cooler? Put it, be careful putting it in the cooler because okay. it's going to keep cooking. Okay. Uh, the insulation on that cooler will make it keep cooking. Uh, you can sit it in the oven with the oven off. Okay. Uh, and just kind of let it sit in there uh, for a little bit. If you do the cooler thing, I would. you can let it sit there for a little bit, but probably an hour in or so, put a little piece of block of wood or something in there to, to prop the door open on the cooler. And that way, uh, you letting some of that out, some of that heat out, so you don't keep cooking in there. Um, now, if you if you put it in the cooler, if you pull the brisket down, and it's a little bit closer, um, it's a little bit further off, then you can use the cooler actually as a cooking assist type of deal, depending on how many you got. Uh, that's a trick. That's a trick that I learned. You know, if, you, if I got a whole bunch of them I got to cook, like, you know, we're going through like 100-something plus briskets, and you don't have a big, big pit to pull them all at the same time, you can rotate down. You say, hey, that one's between half and three-quarter way, or right at three-quarter way, we're going to put it in a brisket, I mean, put it in the cooler, finish it off, then you pull them out, let them rest, and then you can start cutting. So uh, just little tricks of the trade, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of tricks of the trade, all right, so you got lunch crowds going to come in here. Yeah. It always blows my mind that, I mean, one, with the price of food right now, beef costs have gone up. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know. How do you know each day who's going to walk through your door and what they're going to order? You don't. Okay. You don't. Uh, you don't know what they're going to order. But so we use a POS system, and so I can track back, you know, a year, I can go back two years even, just to kind of see kind of what's what's happening. So today's Fat Tuesday. Um, it's it's a crapshoot because mm -hmm. some people are eating different things, different cuisines, you know, on a Fat Tuesday. Uh, we don't have any margaritas and hurricanes and all that kind of stuff, so we may not see as many people. But at the same token, you might see a ton of people come through the door. Uh, so it really kind of just kind of depends, but you you know how to cook enough. You have a standard that you go that we set to on a Tuesday, 
and we say, and then we start to kind of see kind of what the feel is, and then if we need to put more meat on, we put more meat. On. We're not putting any more. When you run out of brisket, you're out of brisket because you, you can't you can't cook more of that. Right. Ribs you can cook more of. Chicken you can cook more of. Sausage you can cook more of. Um, turkey, you can just kind of. If you run out of turkey, you're just out of turkey. Um, just what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like and that's so. kind of become acceptable. Oh yeah. Something like. Hey, yeah. come get it, and or even with the beef ribs, mm-hmm. I'm gonna serve them till they're gone. That's it. That's it. And I think uh, we can probably. I don't. I don't know who to necessarily credit for that, uh, as far as it being acceptable. Uh, I know Aaron, and then they did that. Um, Who's Aaron? Aaron Franklin uh, oh, up Austin. in uh, Austin. Yeah. Um, I think I think Wayne and Wayne Mueller, and them. I think they probably did that. Uh, to some degree where, you know, hey man, when we're out of this particular meat, we're out of it, you know? And if we're, if we're done, if we're out of everything, we're just gonna shut the doors and we'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And- uh, Get it earlier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, get, so, you do it um, a nice way. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, as I said, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're appreciative that, hey, your food was good enough to even be able to to get to that point. Um, so I guess that's a good problem. Yeah, some people say, you know, some people say like, you know, the whole sellout thing is, you only cook five briskets. Like, some people may have, you know, you don't, you never know. I yeah. don't know what, you know, I was cooking and trying to get through my day, yeah. but y'all came and bought it, so hey. So let me make sure I understood what you said. You have a POS system, so that's, that's data yeah. that you can yeah, so look you can at all kind of reports. and you can say, yeah average Tuesday sales are X so mm-hmm. I know that I need to yep. cook so many briskets so many chicken okay yeah and Got so it. you can you can look in that into that and you can pull up different reports of kind of what you want to see and we call it a P mix which is a product mix of kind of what you sold and what you sell how many you know we know that our two meat plate is the is the highest selling item uh, on the menu you got a two meat plate then what you two meats do most people pick uh, brisket and ribs okay. are gonna be your pork your, ribs yeah yeah, are going to be your first two highest sellers. Then you'll go uh, into a brisket and sausage, and those two kind of run, kind of run neck and neck uh, when you see those. Um, and then, then after that, then you've got your so three meat plate. After that, and then just kind of everything else kind of fall kind of falls in line uh, with that. And then pounds pounds of brisket was is probably the fourth or fifth thing after that so I mean all of it changes um, you know we've we held off a long time uh, we actually just changed our prices probably a week ago was it wasn't a week maybe like six days ago five days ago yeah uh, we were trying to hold off <clears throat> with people and uh, we just couldn't hold off anymore and it's like okay hey, we gotta you know we gotta go ahead and and move it up that way you know you're still profiting you're still being able to pay pay your guys and whatnot so so you've seen some some pressure on food costs oh 100 percent yeah 100 yeah. um we, our vendor has done all of our vendors have done really well as far as trying to keep us supplied uh with certain things um you know we sometimes you just unless you know the manufacturer and you can go say hey you're messing me up there's nothing you can necessarily do but try to find creative ways to either change what you're serving in or change that particular product 
you know, serve as much of that product as you can. Um, try to redirect and maybe pull in another product that that is available. So, I mean, you just you, you just kind of keep fighting, man. You, know, you say you get, you got grit, man, Tennessee. You you'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Tell us about your ribs. It's, sometimes I get confused with all the different styles of ribs yeah. and the St. Louis and the baby back and the. <laughs> The longer ones, I don't even know what they're called. But yeah. yeah, so you got so when you when you're looking at spare ribs, you start with a regular spare rib. You got medium and lights. Okay. Um, and so your medium is going to be your heavier, your light is going to be your smaller spare rib, and you can just you can feel the weight difference, and you can kind of see it in the size of the bone and whatnot. Um, then you'll go into what we call a barbecue cut, where they take off the breastbone of the rib, and then they kind of trim some of the tip off. They kind of kind of round it off a little bit uh, right there. Then you'll go into a St. Louis cut where you got a nice triangle, uh, not triangle, a rectangle, uh, where it's even, you know, from one side to the other. Those are the short and fat ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then you'll have your, your baby backs, which are going to come off the back and the loin part of the uh, part of the part of the animal uh, there, and so those have more the texture of loin or pork chop, uh, so a little less fat content, a little bit leaner um, when it comes to that. And then kind of depending on how they trim it, if they trim it right, then you got the right amount of fat that's kind of still there um, with those. And um, I said, depending on the size of the rib, you learn you learn how to cook ribs. Um, you know, you, they can go as long as six hours, and they can probably go as short as three. Okay. Uh, you know, depending on you know your tenderness and kind of how you how you like to cook them. Uh, we like to get ours tender, uh, almost to the if, if you can tug that bone a little bit, and if you almost wiggle it out, you're good. Um, we try to we try we kind of try to give ourselves a time frame so the ones that that are coming off where we want that tug those are going to be served right away a little bit tighter tug we'll put those aside and then we'll cover them and we'll make sure that they'll sit and then by the time they're ready to serve they're, they're to the point of a tug that way you're not overcooking your ribs now that way you know what you what you pull off later isn't overdone because they're going to have to wait until you sell all the ones before it so Gotcha. Yeah. And your sausage, you you have three, so three we, different kinds. So we got three different we got three different kinds. Uh, Rafino meats uh, does our does our sausage, uh, our venison, and our uh, traditional sausage, which you know we've made we put the mess, the recipe together for all three of them or whatnot. But um, they they do a good job of you know producing our stuff. They're up out of Bryan College Station, a uh, family owned. Uh, outfit uh they started as it was kind of a um a retail store uh that was a meat market that his family bought and then uh they moved over into food distribution uh part of it and they've got some cousins that have restaurants and stuff up there as well so and when you slice your sausage i, I think i've been making a mistake instead of like straight up and do you go to a little angle or how do you cut it yeah so if you got your knife and you just kind of put it on a bias cut and just cuts like there straight through. You use an electric knife or you use just yeah, a, no? Yeah, yeah. No. Just a regular knife. Yeah. Just a regular Electric knife. knife, is that cheating? Uh, I just don't think they cut good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might, you know, but you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Uh, I had this very vivid memory of um, 
and I'm sure they I'm sure they don't mind, but uh, Burns Barbecue, uh, Mr. Burns used to be back there, and you would see him. He'd have his electric knife, and they'd just be going through with it uh, back there. And uh, it was white, and it had plenty of grease on it. And it was that was the that was what you saw. That was what you saw. I mean, I, I you know, I've just grown to to like a knife. Uh, myself and just having to have a cord and all that kind of stuff is yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah man it's uh, that's that's a crazy memory when you, when you just said that i was like that 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 is, that is such a vivid vivid memory of you know one of the oldest barbecue places that you know they're still around the grandkids and kids and stuff are running it now and um they said man it's just thinking about that it's like yeah. golly it's kind of nostalgic well tell us about the restaurant that we're in now because we talked about the old place we didn't yeah. really get into why you transition and, yep. and, and then plug this spot to so um over on 19th street uh if you guys have started to see now there's a lot of development and stuff that was going on um we wanted to buy the lot that we're on that we were on and the lot that was next door uh developers came in the lot next door got sold aj's was still uh had their building that they were on and then they had sold the property behind us as well so we were basically landlocked and so i was like okay we're gonna, we're gonna have to figure out you know what we're gonna do uh so uh called a buddy of mine i don't know if you remember ryan smith uh he was he was he was a year older than me so he's he probably three years out uh from you but um he was another rice connect you know we try to stay together or whatnot he started looking around and finding some places for me and um i saw this place you know i saw this place kind of being put together they had leveled uh the building and stuff that was here uh used to be a grocery store called sack and save um anybody that lived over here kind of knew that grocery store you you get they have brown paper bags that were there you bagged your own groceries walked out with him. I, I remember many a times my mom said, hurry up and bag the groceries and so we can go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that we're they're actually in this spot because this was the parking lot of it where, where this building is actually sitting. I remember going to the parking lot. We had a green Volvo, man. <laughs> <laughs> we had a green Volvo. We'd, get a, we'd all get loaded up in. We'd come get groceries and go home, man. But... Um, where were we? I cut out. Oh, oh how so you got here? Got yeah. Getting into this, into this particular place. So we were looking around, trying to figure figure us a place out, and uh, this place came up. Uh, Doug Mulvaney uh, is the gentleman uh, that that built that built this place uh, for us. You know, this particular uh, center here. Um, there was we originally we were only going to take um, the 3,000 square feet that's beyond these doors right here. And we said, the reason I did, I was like, well, I really don't want another neighbor to cut out any parking from us. So then we just ended up taking the rest of this space. And then next door to us, we only have Sherwin-Williams. Um, they do most of their business in the morning time with their contractors and stuff. And so they only take a few parking spaces. So they're a perfect neighbor for us uh, if we were going to have one. And uh, they said, this parking is immaculate compared to what we had to people had to deal with over over on 19th street so when we got into it the vision was to 
you know, hey, we got this nice, beautiful place for you guys to come in and sit down. And, you know, we're able to do some more things because we have a lot more of the pits and stuff back here. Um, I remember the first, we got crushed. We got absolutely crushed, man. It was, uh, it was Labor Day weekend. The line was ridiculous. And it was like, it was like that for a while. Uh, getting in here, just trying to figure that out. Um, we had some new people that were working with us in the kitchen, so they didn't, they didn't know or understand. Like, dude, don't look at the line. Just cut. Just, just cut meat. Just get stuff moving. Like, keep putting food in the oven. Like, don't, don't worry about the line. The line is gonna be there. I was like, you, you better always hope that there's a line. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, man, I just, I, I, I remember that. But uh, this place, I mean, it's been, it's been good to us. It's been yeah. good to us. Uh, so we're on Ella, just yep. past 34th. Yep. So some folks may want to come and get some Gatlin's barbecue. And we were one of the first new restaurants to actually move into the area. Uh, There were a lot of older restaurants that were were over here, Doyle's, which has closed since. It has been probably about two years or so much. Yeah. And um, you had Doyle's, you got Shipley's here. Nothing was on. Is that uh, the original Shipley's? I think it may be. Yeah. Well, well, the original one was, I think it was Maine, and then this one okay. uh, came after it, but this was the one that became really popular. Uh, then everybody else, everything else just kind of spun off. off My grandma after. always says when we drive by, That's like, the she original. always sees yeah. someone in the drive through 100%. No matter what time of day. 100%. <laughs> She's not lying. She is not lying. But uh, Double Dave's used to be down where uh, 33 and a third is. Um, Chris Hotze, uh, the development right down there, um, used to be there. And then there was a cleaners where, there's a cleaners where the breakfast place, uh, the Sunday Press that's here, that used to be there. And what was on the corner? What was on, I'm trying to remember what was on the corner where the, where the, um, where the BBs and all that stuff used to be is there was a surf shop. There was the, the you used to have the surf house. There was a candy place that was all right there, uh, and that was directly across the street from Walter. But so all that stuff is all right there. Golly, man, it's, it's changed. <laughs> as much as it's changed, there's still places that are here. That car lot that's on the corner of Ella and 34th, right there, has been there forever, and it still looks the same the mechanic shop across the street you know they've kind of upgraded some of their stuff but it's still the same small mechanic shop that's right there um a lot of stuff is as i say it's changing but a lot of it's still the same man which is which is really cool I, i'm wondering when whoever i don't know the gentleman that owns the uh the car place uh when he'll eventually sell it or if he's just passing it down through the through the family or whatnot but uh to, those things kind of make you think, like, golly, man. I remember there was Wyatt's Cafeteria down here, <laughs> which was uh, we used to frequent, you know, there uh, where Plonk is on 43rd. There was an Eckert. There was an Eckert and a Wieners. There was a Wieners uh, retail. Uh, retail is like clothing store and stuff. I don't know if y'all remember that one. But uh, all that stuff. There was a uh, Hallmark uh, card place. We used to always go there to get. So you had Hallmark, Wieners, Eckert was all right there. Apple tree was apple tree was where Kroger's was <laughs> now, but uh, yeah, man, it's golly, they're reliving that man. It's really cool to be back in a place where you grew up and you know some things and kind of how it's changed or whatnot. But uh, but I've, I enjoy being here. Uh, as I said, we get a chance to serve you know our neighborhood that's here, and then it's not far from the freeway for people to get off. And if you're traveling from different parts of town, uh, it's kind of easy to get to. So, yeah. yeah. 
So you, you touched on some things earlier that are that are themes that I like to hit on with the mm-hmm. show or hope to. But yeah. Hard work, treating people right, remembering your roots. Yeah. There's also some people that, <coughs> that like to use labels and qualifiers. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to raise my kids different and and really just one guy with the nickname Gritman that created the Gritman show. I don't know if I can affect much change, mm-hmm. but as we sit here today, society would say, you're a black man, mm-hmm. and I'm a white guy, mm-hmm. even though I think my skin's kind of brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it, tanned up. <laughs> we'll, hey, we'll let you go there. <laughs> but this grit idea, or being a grit man, it, we don't discriminate on what your color your skin is, or what zip coat you were raised in, or your gender. No. I mean, it's, it's be a good human. Uh, yeah. Why do you think race is a big deal to some people? Uh, I mean, you weren't ready for that question. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it, you know what? I just I want to give a, a a good, genuine and and honest answer. Yeah. Uh, to that, um, you know, when we when we deal with, well, I think when we deal with race, we have to be very upfront and honest on what that is and how it's perceived here in America. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, even globally across the world, uh, you know, you're we're seeing things that are happening in Ukraine uh, as far as, you know, how you know they're not letting the African, you know, people that are part that are living there in Ukraine get on, I guess, the train or whatever it is to get where they're going. But that's a, it's a preservation of someone's culture and, and, you know, who they are. And a lot of times people will you know, hey, they're going to defend their own first or take their own first before they take an outsider or consider an outsider or whatever that may be. Um, race has grown a little bit to be different uh, here in the States um, from the standpoint of, you know, Africans were indoctrinated into American culture. Um, and once we've been indoctrinated into, into American culture, it's like, have we been accepted fully? And so you start to get in, and there's, I mean, this, that could be, this could be a three-hour long conversation or more, but I think that what, what has to happen is that as, as adults and as human beings, we just have to learn how to listen. Learn how to listen to somebody and then see where, see where they're coming from and then see how we can connect. Um, if there's a genuine care about the man you're sitting next to, and that 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 man's going through the same thing that you're going through, uh, possibly, you know, he's got a family to feed, um, you know, he's got a job to to worry about, he's got to worry about, you know, himself being a man for his family, uh, a husband, uh, a good friend, and so there's a lot of there's there's a lot of things that connect. There's more that connects us than make, makes us different. I agree. Uh, but, you know, we have to be able to say what the differences are and respect those differences. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, we're not going to agree on everything. Yeah. Um, but I want you to know where I'm coming from yeah. and know why things are what they are, why I feel the way about certain things. Because there's some things that you just may not, you may not be able to understand because you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you, you know, and I may not be able to feel something that you feel. Because it's like, hey, I, that's not a shoe that I walked in. Mm-hmm. And if I, don't, if I haven't walked in those shoes, I can't tell you what it is or it isn't. But I can respect it at the end of the day. And as long as those things are respected and the opportunities are created for all of us to be successful, then I think we have something. We have the America that it's supposed to be yeah. for everybody. 
you think we're moving forward or not? Uh, I think we I think we've regressed. Okay. I think we regressed um, from this. For some reason, there's a uh, there's a thought or a feeling of something being taken away. Um, so the American way being taken away, yeah. and it's like, what does that what does that feel like? What is that feeling? Is it, is it is it just you have less power, you have less control? Because we're in the, we're in the same America from the standpoint of hey, this is this is America. This, the the only thing's changing is more real estate is getting taken up, mm-hmm. <laughs> put right. more buildings and stuff there. But um, there is a deterioration of. Uh, I think some values and things that uh, we probably once had, and I'll, I'll speak from from Black and African American culture that there's a family piece that we as young folks don't value as much as uh, as our grandparents and ancestors did before. Um, I think that's something that we have to get back to. Um, we have to make it so that you know our men and our women are working together uh, to create communities and things that that are growing and are thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a certain lack of respect because those things aren't there. Um, and our, you know, our white counterparts or even our Hispanic counterparts look at that different. Um, and it's not, that we're, it's not that we're in a different, it's, I think it's, it's visualized different and it's talked about differently uh, just because the perception of a black person from in America has been lazy, they're just this, they're, they can only do that. And then if, you're, if your culture feeds into that, that's what, you, that's what it's gonna be. You're gonna, that's what somebody's gonna see. Regardless if it's true or not, that's what they're gonna see because there's people like that in every culture. So you're saying there's been a little bit of uh, decay or creep maybe in the black culture, I, I see it in, in a lot I of different places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get away from the Lord. You get away from yeah. working hard, thinking that you you want that. You want to make what your boss does on day one, and you yeah. don't want to you know, work your way up and pay your dues. So, is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's say those those are things that those are things that all add into um, our interaction with each other with, yeah. with each other day to day. I get it. I get it all the time. Um, I didn't know this was a black-owned company. Were you supposed to? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, is it, when I, you know, when I get when I get asked, it's, it's funny, but my business isn't supposed to look any different than Papa's Barbecue from what you you know, good whoever company. a good yeah. company. It doesn't, you know, it should just be a, a good place for you to come sit down and eat and and you know be able to be with your friends and family and whatnot and go, but. You know, when you look at it, though, if you if you go back and you kind of look where small barbecue joints were made, they were little small. They were 19th Street. Yeah, they were 19th there's Street. There's some history there, yeah. right? Yeah, the and black so community. yeah, and so there's nothing there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. But you know, since we've grown, you know, since we've gotten the opportunities and we've taken advantage of the opportunities, I don't have to have. Uh, you know, a little small place that, you know, the walls are sooted up and whatever it is. But there's nothing wrong with that because those are the beginnings. Those are those are beginnings. I, honestly, I'd love to go back to 19th Street sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm paying 15 times more, 16 times more than what I was paying over there. Yeah. 
And you know, it was the, the, the love in that place was, it was awesome. You know, I said, we make it here because we said we weren't, we were never gonna change how we dealt with people. Uh, you know, there we could see, see each other, we could talk to people, we get out, we come and, you know, shake hands, we, you know, we talk to our friends, we talk to new people. Uh, I've made some friends here, some lifetime friends, just from a, from a barbecue place, you know? And, um, you know, you just have to, you have to, 19th Street means the world to me. Like, <laughs> that's where I started. Yeah. I don't. I don't care if I get. I don't care if I get ten more Gatlins. I don't care if I get you know six more fins and feathers. I don't. You know, 19th Street was the beginning, yeah. and you put in a lot of, put in a lot of hard work there. Yeah. A ton. I mean, a ton. I mean, getting up, you know, the middle of the night. Dad getting up in the middle of the night, coming to check pits. Hell, me burning up in that place, and uh, that kind of you know that 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 builds some character in you. And uh, you know that you've had mistakes there uh, that you that you learn from that people may not even know about. But you know that those are the things that I think that that links us together. Because you know I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're Hispanic. You know, just come in and eat, man. Mm -hmm. Just come in and eat. There's, there, there, you know, I'm not trying to make any difference. You're not serving you know? black food. You're serving food, right? Yeah. I mean, now you'll 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 get a you'll you'll get a difference. Yeah. I've 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 had somebody say, you know, it, oh man, yeah, it's excuse not, my ignorance. Is mm, is there different? Like, I don't know what white food is. There's a there's a different there's a difference in the way that culturally black people cook than than Caucasian or Hispanic or whatever that may be. Um, now, it just kind of depends on what those cultural things are. Yeah. And what that leads from is what what they were cooking with in Africa through the through the slave trade when, you know, everybody was brought over. They had different ingredients and things that they used regionally. Different things happened. And so it was just a difference when people say, oh, man, that's white people food. <laughs> No, there's just something you haven't tried before, you know, or man, that's kind of that's kind of black people food, isn't it? I'm sure you'd eat it if you were hungry, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, there's we we put these labels on things because that's that's just America, right? You know, America is, has 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 had its way of kind of being divisive as far as us, you know, us, you know, because, you know, hey, white people lived here, black people lived here, Italians lived here, yep. Irish lived here. Mm -hmm. And so it's just had its way of, of being that way, you know, right, 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 wrong, good, bad, ugly. That's that's what it's been. Yeah. And, you know, we have to try to we have to try to figure out how we can connect those things without it being somebody having more or less. You know, by 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 design, you know, so right. there's, there's always somebody that's going to have more have, fair play, have like a level playing field to begin right. with, and right. then and then right. let the best uh, and guy that works the hardest or has the best product or gives yeah. the best customer service that's that shouldn't it. be race based. You know, there's, and that's and so those are the things you know, that's those things we have to work at as a society to mm -hmm. to understand, you know. Somebody may think, you know, hey, if my grand, if I didn't, my grandpa built this business, you know, he had it, you know, but he worked hard to get it. He may have worked hard to get it. Your grandpa had a business? 
No, no. I'm just saying anybody's oh. grandpa. Oh, you yeah. know, we did right. you know, not, not mattering like who it is, but in you know in in the African American culture and that like there were things that were put down and in writing and in law to say hey you can't do this mm-hmm. or the or the the system was made to say nah we're going we'll we're going to pass him up to do it and we'll I know Johnny over here Johnny we're going we're going to give it to Johnny yep. and that was that was by design and people realize that and say and acknowledge just acknowledge it that hey it's we're equal but the playing field is not always I got to catch up to you like I I literally have to catch up to you like and and there's that's what it is and but if you can if you can empathize with that and say okay hey you're right I'm gonna give you the same playing field now it's up to me it's up to me to say all right hey I got the opportunity I'm gonna go get it, mm-hmm. and Some so personal accountability. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's you know that doesn't change with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know you, you got to be personally accountable. Yep. Like I don't care. You know, I, one I don't want you to give me anything because if you give me something, I owe you. Mm-hmm. If I work for you, can't take it away from me. You know what I'm saying? Well, hundred percent. And so, um, you know, I've I, that's been that's been my framework. You know, if even if you give me something, I'm either gonna I'm giving it back to you, or we're gonna scratch each other's back. You know, as we as, as we grow, yeah. you know, and so um, yeah, say, man, it's it's a it's a, it's a hard time. I think I think it's a hard time because uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of things, man. Mm-hmm. I I grew up in I grew up with all boys, so it's it's difficult for me to see why a man doesn't want to be. A leader and the head, and you know, and be be out front, not from a boastful type of way, but just like, hey, that man's quietly leading, you know, his family, his community, you know, everybody that's around, he's respected, you know, um, you know, it, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it just means that you're learning how to lead, and we have, you know, as we as we start to grow, you know, I have two daughters now. And so I have to instill that same grit and determination in, in, in them because, hey, it, you know, now it's a lot easier. It's easier for women, but even if with it being easier, it's still hard, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so they have to know how to navigate, you know, a world where it's generally been led by men, right. and how to how, how they can how they can create their own space and be respected, you know, within that within that area. Uh, or whatnot, and that's you know, and then them being able to have families and being able to be strong women for their families and stuff. Cause that's that's a hard thing to do, you know. It's almost kind of like you gotta somewhat pick and choose. Oh, yeah. uh, am I gonna be am I gonna be home or am I gonna be corporate, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, which whether it's fair or not, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of the space. But um, I know some phenomenal women that are doing some phenomenal things uh, in our industry and beyond. And, um, you know, being able to to see them and respect what they're doing as well as being a man, you know, and, you know, being, like I say, being personally accountable, getting getting up every day and making sure you're going to work and creating something, you know, whether that's your legacy or just, hey, I'm surviving right now. Whatever, Whatever stage you're in, do it, do it to the best that you can do it, you know. And so, um, 
like I said, man, it's life in, life in America, like in, life in Houston, life in everywhere. For me, Houston's great right now. Yeah. yeah, I see a lot of places that it ain't so great, yeah. you know? Uh, it has its issues, but, you know, if we can, you know, say, if we continue to, to push our, our boys and young ladies and girls to, to be the best that they can be and, and you know, be able to take the human side and connect with people i think we'll be fine i agree and that's what this show's about yeah so thank you for going oh, there with man. me no we, man many more good. people that think like you do but man, we appreciate it man i mean i think most people just need to eat some barbecue and have a beer and chill out <laughs> <laughs> hey mike make life a little bit easier <laughs> it'll make life a little bit easier you, you mentioned other restaurants so yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So uh, we've got our next concept coming up. So it won't be beef or pork heavy at all. So it's going to be strictly seafood and poultry and fowl. Um, it's going to be called Gatlin's Fins and Feathers. Uh, it's located at 302 West Cross Timbers, which is uh, in a historical part of town uh, for me because it's right down the street. I go to church in Independence Heights, Studywood, whichever one you want to call it, wherever you grew up and the time you grew up, you, it has different names for it, uh, for you. But uh, it's right down the street from a place called Barbecue Inn, which has been there forever. Uh, and then the Flying Saucer Pie Company, which has been there forever. <laughs> um, the car wash has been there forever. Uh, they just tore the bingo hall down. Uh, looks like they're probably putting in some type of a uh, apartment homes or something like that, uh, mid-rise type of uh, residential stuff there. So, I mean, there's a the Garden Oaks uh, Industrial Park that's right across the street from it. Um, we grew up, you know, right around, right around over here, over there. And uh, we've seen it, we've seen it kind of where it is. We've seen it drop and you'll see, yeah. see things start to come back up. Uh, is it going to be like when you walk in and order at the counter? Uh, this one's actually going to be t table service. Okay. Yeah. So um, we kind of thought about kind of how to how to do it. Uh, it's a smaller place, um, just to pay a little respect to it. Uh, the original place that was there is a place called Mexicatessen. Uh, we grew up eating Mexican food there. Mm -hmm. um, Herreras. Can't remember their grandfather's name. Right, uh, but the family we played baseball with uh and so they were there uh when we were growing up then they sold and became another another name and then the latest name prior to that was arturo's but it's been a couple of different things and so when we saw it come up we actually wanted to buy it and another st thomas alum uh, that graduated with us actually bought it, <laughs> and uh, we're leasing from we're leasing from him. The Flores family, great family, uh, really good people. Um, Fence Masters um, is there is the company that they have. They actually have a couple companies uh, do civil work as well. But uh, really great, really great family and whatnot. And so they bought it. Awesome. And um, they you can wanted have a, to you can have a bar. No, so we'll have beer and wine there. Okay. Uh, we couldn't figure out how to do the bar just yet, mm -hmm. but we'll probably, at some point, we'll probably reconfigure a little bit uh, to figure out the bar situation. Um, and so that's that, that'll be the next thing. Look that'll forward to that. Thing. So when can we expect 
Uh, hopefully there. that'll be that'll be online probably the next next 45 days. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So we're 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 really close uh, with what we're doing. They're doing all the mill work and stuff in there right now. Uh, we've got the kitchen pretty much situated. There's details and stuff uh, that we work out as far as service and, and whatnot. But it's on the way, man. It, it is on the way. I think it's going to be uh, a really really great you know neighborhood. Cheers kind of a place yeah. almost push you back in in you know in the in the eyes of, of 19th street uh with how we started barbecue and um you know we're, we're really really looking forward to that uh chef michelle and uh chef darius are gonna be uh, kind of heading up the kitchen over there and uh making sure that we're running uh the way we're supposed to run over there on that side, um, I'll be popping back and forth between the two, uh, just to make sure that the the ambiance and the vibe and the food quality and stuff is always up to the brand that we that we've created and what we started. So uh, there won't be any, any any drop offs from what we what we've always done. Awesome. Yeah. So I don't know what the stat is now. Uh, I have to Google it, but I think something along the lines of. 50% of most restaurants don't make it in year one. And then, oh, man. It's, they, yeah. It, it's, it's not good, right? Yeah, so, a I mean, lot more fail. Yeah. A lot more fail. And I think a lot of businesses, you can see, because mm -hmm. just, just if you're good at making brisket or food, that's just one aspect of running a business. 100%. What, what advice would you have to someone that maybe is thinking about getting in the restaurant business or any business? Uh, just educate yourself, man. Uh, take time to ask questions. Take time to dig into the, to the minute details uh, of it. No question is a dumb question. The only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Um, you know, I had the, you know, I got some book education, you know, being at Rice. You know, we were educated on some things that, you know, carried over. Or we knew how to, when we looked at it, okay, I've seen this before. It's not, it's not unfamiliar yeah. uh, to me. Now it's just applying it to whatever, you know, whatever business that you're in. Um, uh, have yourself a really good uh, accountant. Have yourself a, a good attorney, mm -hmm. and um, if you're if you're spiritual, stay stay connected yeah. to to whatever that. Whether you're Christian, Muslim, whatever it is that you you know that that, that you're connected to with your faith, uh, lean on that because there's going to be some bad times. There's going to be, be some really good times. So try to keep yourself even keel and and in the middle. Um, um, you know, pick up a book and and read. Uh, listen to people. Uh, if you if, if you're the person starting it, you only know so much. Uh, get a pulse of your people. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, you can run it by yourself, but you know that's kind of tough. But um, you know, you're only as good as the people that that are coming along with you. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, make sure that you, you 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 know how to treat people. At the end of the day, uh, put yourself in their shoes. Um, you know you. There's a guy, you know, there's a lot more people out here making 150, 200, 100 dollars a day than there are, you know, making five, six thousand a day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you if you if you can empathize and then bring some people along, uh, one, I think it's good for yourself just, you know, being able to do that. And then uh, two, you're, we're growing the communities and stuff around us. Um, so that we we have strong families and whatnot and that, that guy or that gal that that has a family you know that they're just 
they're just not in it as a number. They're in it as a, as a person, you know. Um, you know, it's, even as a business owner, you get caught up in your numbers and stuff, and sometimes you just got to sit back and, you know, let me, let me see how they're doing, you know. Because you see people's performance, you know, go, go one way or the other. But uh, you really don't know unless you take the time, okay. you know, to just stop for a minute and just really genuinely ask somebody, hey, how you doing, man? How, like, how, like no, 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 I'm not talking about work. How are you doing? And uh, you'll be surprised, you know, how much that, you know, how much value that holds mm-hmm. uh, with somebody. So. Man, that's awesome. Well, this has been a true pleasure, Greg. I've just enjoyed Good, just sitting down with you and listening. Good. Proud of you. Thank you, man. I know. Thank you. I appreciate you for, for thinking about us. Future success. Well, you talked about grit better than I can. So. <laughs> You're a grit man. I don't know if you knew that, but you are. Hey, man, we, we're trying, man. We are, we, are, we are absolutely trying. Like I said, we uh, I tell I tell my family all the time. It's like, man, it's, it, it hadn't been hadn't been a, a smooth ride all the way, but you know, it could absolutely. It, we, we're thankful for for what we have and kind of where we're going. And um, like I said, it's the journey. You're yeah. Enjoying the journey. And you know what? I, I laughed. At, I laughed at that because you, you know, I, I heard people say, "Enjoy the journey of getting there." Okay. Like, man, whatever. It's, I just want to get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying to get there, man. But it's the, the old, there's something for getting older. You get a little bit wiser. You value some things a little bit different. Mm. And um, you know, yeah, I'm I'm starting to enjoy the journey, you know, a lot more. And you know, try to figure out some ways. And like, hey, you only get you only get one of these lives, mm-hmm. so make the most of it. You don't want to look back. And my dad, he'll he'll tell me, man, you don't want to look back and say, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that, or I wish I would have been here for my kids doing this or that. And he's like, don't do that. Like, so that's you know, being in a family business is difficult, but getting that. You know, from day to day, that you can, you know, you can have your dad to sit down and talk to, you know, in the morning. Um, you know, with them getting older, you see friends and colleagues and stuff passing away, and yours is still here, mm-hmm. and um, you enjoy it. You know, you don't want to take it for granted. Uh, at the end of the day, because you said it, once it's gone, it's gone. All you got to do is, you know, you only got memories to hold on to. If you ain't made any, it's yeah. tough. It's no, tough. It's- I've listened to this podcast or, or an audio book, and it talks about that we're all different, but we all have the same amount of time. We yeah. all have 24 hours today. Yep. We all have this moment. Yep. What are you going to do with it? Yep. And, and you're right. As I get older, I'm doing the same things. Yeah. Slow down a little bit. Cherish that conversation. Yeah. Take it in. It's hard. It is. we got to juggle a lot of balls. Yep. And, but. It is, man. I appreciate that, man. Is it, This has probably been one of the, the most in-depth from a standpoint of just – talking to me yeah. you know we, you know a lot of times we, we talk about all the stuff that's going around but i appreciate i appreciate what you're doing and uh, i hope that you can have many more guests uh that appreciate it as well man hey i think we need more grit in the world and little by little we can preserve it and spread it good deal it's a as long as there's enough grit men out there you gotta give me one of those hats man well i'm about to <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, i appreciate it hey, man. thank you thank so you. much we I- appreciate you bro <laughs> Guys, he's a lot like nails. He plays like nails. He's tough as nails. He likes to call himself. I saw a lot of family 